handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome everybody to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 1.17 p.m. Eastern on May 9th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, just ate some walnuts, a uh, cup of green tea with matcha, matcha, matcha man. I want to be a matcha man. How has that not been an ad campaign yet? Anyway, call me Madison Avenue. Just kidding, you won't. And uh, walnuts. Dried, uh, dried forest feces, and um, treated myself to a little dark chocolate. That's right, guys. It's good for inflammation in small doses. I ate 19 bars of it. Is that a small dose? No, I ate a gentlemanly four squares of dark chocolate. Um, so I feel the antioxidants rushing through me. I feel cancer fleeing for fear of facing my healthy diet of anti-inflammatories and my taste buds have already killed themselves because they realize they're never going to taste anything good again uh, which sounds like a George Michael song I'm never going to taste good again uh, pleasant sugar has got no blah blah whatever fuck it anyway guys <laughs> This is a big week for me. If you've been following my quasi-suicidal saga, it's a big week. We record Half Blackface again. And uh, this has been a cause of deep trouble for me over the last couple of months, but it actually accelerated over the last couple of weeks because there's always bad information. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, the more I look into it, the more I feel like I've been had, I've been took, I've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, run, you've been bamboozled, run, led astray, run amok, there it is, I gotta remember my, uh, my 1992 Malcolm X quotes from Spike Lee's great movie, um, Al Pacino should have won an Oscar long before then, and Denzel should have won for Malcolm X, the end, uh, but yeah, we're five days away as of this recording, uh, we have a trickle of tickets have, have come in and it's, it's always good to see, f uh, friends, actual friends buying tickets within two weeks of the recording. Um, grateful of course, but it's also one of those things where I go, do you think I'm lying when I say I'm like bonkers stressed? Like it's one of those, th like it's one of those things where I go, do you, do you, does this seem like an act? Does this podcast that seems like an anguished cry for help? slash homicidal manifesto slash scaring away all my comedy fans slash my wrists see what i did there i turned slash into an actual physical gesture and not just punctuation that's the kind of chess level verbal podcasting you get with jl covan folks um that it was a sort of a game or a joke like I have been um, daily stressing about ticket sales, about the integrity of the people I'm working with on this uh, matter, 
um, and just, uh, you know, the general trajectory of my career in life. Contemplating death all the time. Uh, not suicide, folks, okay? This isn't one of those. Just contemplating death, like I go, what do I do when this, if and when this fails? And then people try to tell me as if they'll say things like, hey, man, you got to stay positive. Why? I've become a great comedian with absolutely no fucking positivity or hopeful outlook in this business. So I'm not here to be, if, if I wanted to be happy, I would have quit comedy and drowned my notebooks in a bathtub 10 years ago. This has nothing to do with happy. This has to do with being good and putting out great work. That has not suffered, okay? Um, obviously, Michael Jordan caused me a lot of pain as a youth, being a Utah Jazz fan. But I learned something valuable from Michael Jordan. It's that... It may not make you happy, but being spiteful, angry, and vicious can make you good at what you do. And I feel like that's what I've tried to bring in to my comedy career. So when people say, hey, what's the point? Well, it does, it's gotten me this far. We're at the last, like, this is not, I have, this is not the time. This week is not the time to abandon an approach that has yielded great work. This isn't the time trying to find inner peace. <laughs> that's, that's for May 15th. Okay, folks, and whatever life I have beyond that, whether it's four months or four decades or more, um, the time for inner peace and calm and tranquility and finding out what makes me happy, that's for May 15th. May 14th is we're going to ride the horse. We're, we're, gonna, we're not going to switch horses 99% stream. Okay, not even midstream. We're about to step on. Now, <clears throat> we should have arrived at this point uh, months ago. We thought we did arrive at this point months ago. But nefarious and unscrupulous uh, characters have uh, delayed uh, my uh, Agent Smith-esque retirement from the agency of comedy. So, when people say, and I know maybe, maybe they have their best interests at heart, maybe they're just spouting new age guru bullshit. But when people want me to be happy, I, I, I appreciate that. Let me say that before I, I do. I appreciate it. I appreciate people caring about me. Um, obviously, I would rather people care about me via buying tickets because um, I'm a material girl in a material world. And thank you, Cookie. She's a Madonna fan, obviously. Cookie, we're in the, we're, Cookie, I'm dropping hot podcast. Come here, Cookie. Cookie, come here. I don't, don't make me say it a fucking third time. Cookie, come here with your dilating asshole because somebody's in the hallway talking. Please sit. You're ruining great podcasting. I mean, was that – I mean, I was on a roll to drop a I'm a material girl in a material – and then Cookie just barks. I mean, almost on time, like as if she was saying I like Madonna. But Cookie, please at ease. At ease, soldier. You, you, you are terrified when we go outside, so you are no fucking hero. So don't act like you're going to defend the home, okay? Defend the home! What I just did there, you guys don't know. This is what goes on in my head. And this is why the Righteous Girlfriend deserves some sort of Nobel Peace Prize. What I was just quoting was Jeff Bridges from the movie Arlington Road, an incredible movie that everybody should see. It's one of those early 2000s. Was it an early 2000? I think I saw it in college, sometime in college. Or did I see it after? Or it might be late 90s, whatever. It's Jeff, Ro uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Bridges and Tim Robbins. It's domestic terrorism movie. Ages uh, incredibly well. It was in the aftermath of Timothy McVeigh. But there's various quotes, and I think I did this either on this iteration of the Righteous Prick podcast or many years ago on the first version. Um, but Jeff Bridges, my limited Jeff Bridges impression, always stemmed from, well, you know, there, there, there's like the, the, the Lebowski one. But, but what I like is... Jeff Bridges at the beginning of the movie, Arlington Road, he brings in a kid who had his like hand mangled in a fire, firework, uh, firecracker accident. And um, he's, <laughs> he's carrying the kid. And Jeff Bridges does that like – Jeff Bridges is a fucking great actor. I know he's like a kooky dude now. But he is like, what a what range and what like, I just watched Seabiscuit recently with my nephew who loved it and it's a great movie. But he's, he's so good at so much. He should have won the Oscar for Hell or High Water. Um, I think I think that movie should have won a bunch of awards, including Best Picture, but that's just me. Um, not a fan of Yellowstone though. Love Ter Taylor Sheridan movies. Yellowstone I think is a fucking um, a comical mess. Uh, uh, but anyway. He's carrying the kid into the hospital, 
and they're going, sir, what's his name? And Jeff Bridges just gets, and the filming of it was very good, and he's got like a frantic look on his face, and they're going, he needs help, he needs help. And then, sir, what's his name? What's the boy's name? He goes, I don't know his name. And then they just cut to the, and I, I used to say that on this podcast for some reason. Now I'm quoting a random line in the middle of the movie um, where he's talking about um, like a David Koresh, Ruby Ridge type assault to his class he teaches a class at like gw on terrorism or homegrown terrorism and it's a very prescient movie in some ways but um and doesn't get talked about enough i think because it's you know jeff bridges and and tim robbins like right kind of in their pre-tim robbins peak and like jeff bridges sort of in the middle of his peak but um he's describing the the assault in this case, and he just goes, he just keeps building to a crescendo because it's very personal for him, and then he just goes, defend the home! And I don't know why I felt the need to share that and then explain it for four minutes. But that's what happens in, the, in this home, is I will just quote something that, you know, because she's a normal person, righteous girlfriend has no idea. Like, I'm, I'm sometimes not even quoting big quotes. It's like that. Um, you don't remember minute 50 from the... Uh, box office flop but critically acclaimed Arlington Road from 1999 you don't remember what he said one hour into that movie geez get out of your get out of your cubicle once in a while righteous GF no but that's what I do sometimes because I have a lot going on in this head most of it useless and uh, so there that was a, a nice four minute detour into Arlington Road a movie I highly recommend folks I own it um, if you come to my house I can lend you the blu-ray if you want but uh don't come to my house. Uh, <laughs> so we're in, uh, yeah, but I'm a material girl living in a material world, which means um, my love language is ticket sales. And I feel very unloved is the end of that story. <laughs> um, I am in uh, New York this Saturday, and then I'm in Sellersville, Pennsylvania, which is between Philly and Allentown. So if you're in one of those two cities or in between, uh, get your tickets to that and then the only thing left on the schedule is Boston City Winery, July 15th. A real a real calendar circle day for me. Because oddly enough, my first show was in Washington, D.C. But the first person to encourage me to try stand-up was my friend Scott. We were at a friend's engagement party. And like the J.L. Jinx, that engagement, this friend who was getting engaged, uh, that engagement broke off. He is now happily married with three kids. Um, but that engagement broke off. And I think that might be the origin story of the JL Jinx. Like literally somebody said, JL, you're so funny. Have you thought about doing stand-up? That comment alone was enough to break up the engagement that we were at a party celebrating. So I think that might be the origin story of the JL Jinx. Um, a friend spoke it like an ancient Egyptian curse. He like dusted off a tome and said, There is a prophecy that a man will do comedy and everything it touches will die. Um, and from engagements to Patrice O'Neill to my soul to my happiness, the, the prophecy has come true. The prophecy is true. And the only way to end the jail jinx is to end your career 19 years later in the same city where it was borneth. And it was at an engagement party in the greater Boston area in 2002 where that was spoken. And I said, uh, yeah, I think maybe I will because I'm really holding court here. I am funny, aren't I? I do do good impressions, don't I? And, I, and that's, that's what triggered that, uh, that desire to try stand-up comedy. Um, I may have the year off. I'm, I'm, I'm within like six months of the correct date, whether it was 20, 2001, 2002. Um, I started in 2003, June of 2003. So I don't know if it was a spring engagement party, an early summer engagement party. Was it the previous summer? The whole point is when, when someone spoketh into being the idea of me being a stand-up comedian, it, the JL jinx immediately went to work and that engagement ended. Now for my friend who's happily married with three kids, I'm sure the JL Jinx is actually the JL blessing because he has uh, you know a wonderful family and is a happy guy. But as far as I you know, but as far as from my perspective, it's it it is it is the nothing from the never ending story. It just devours all happiness and light. 
that it touches. Anyhow, um, Patreon, folks. The Patreon is starting to pick up. People keep, you know, just trickle, a trickle, a dick trickle, which is one of the great names in sports history. Um, I think dick trickle is worse than dick butkus um, uh, in terms of, but they're both bad. But dick trickle sounds like both, it, it just makes you think of a, a limp dick with, with a medical condition um, or somebody with poor heart, you know, heart, like poor circulation or something. Dick Buckus also is funny, but it's more childish funny. I think Dick Trickle sounds like fucking gross. Anyway, he was a, ra- a race car driver, I believe, and I just, you know, really owned it. Could have gone with Richard Trickle, um, but but decided Dick Trickle was the way he wanted to be known. So good for good for that guy. Um, <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Oh yeah, but Patreon is doing 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 nicely. So this is your weekly. What will now be a weekly reminder? Uh, the next book review show goes up this week. The Joel Osteen um, Exorcist sketch will go public this week, but obviously a Patreon has had early access to that. And the bonus episodes, both bonus podcast episodes, have been great. And I don't say that. I, I don't say. I wouldn't bullshit you guys. Both bonus podcasts have been great. You have Mike Pence Gaming. You have it's it's it is as good, if not the greatest, Patreon value available to mankind. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that. It's it's not a lot of competition. People often just do a couple things a month. They they um, you know. They, but I'm I'm trying to turn it into a, a, a practically a JL streaming service. And right now. Um, like I said, my love language, if you are in cities I am performing at, is ticket sales. If you, My love language, if you live in cities where I'm not performing, is Patreon subscriptions. So uh, that's what you should do if you care about my uh, well-being, my mental health, um, my financial stability, um, hearing happier podcasts. You know, every, everybody wins if I get more Patreon subscriptions. Um, I did get a good cameo this week. Uh, not a lot of Mother's Day requests. I usually do. I do much better with Father's Day. Um, as I as I said on the bonus episode, I'll give you a little sneak. But as I said to somebody, I said behind every behind every male fan of JL is a wife going, "Are you watching that guy's videos again?" But um, <laughs> I uh, shit brain fart number one, guys. Cognitive decline is not fun. You work out, you read, and you eat healthy, but your brain keeps turning into mush. <laughs> um, Cookie, please stop. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's the exact. Cookie, that's actually the opposite of stopping. Okay. We obviously have a language barrier here. Cookie. You have to understand something about Cookie. When we go outside, she tucks her tail, she shivers, and she wants to run back inside. But inside, she's she's as tough as they get. She's tough as nails when it comes to cleaning ladies having conversations down the hall. She's a, she's a regular fucking uh, at a BC. That's an Oz reference for all my fans who don't watch Oz. But anywho, I don't know what I was talking about, guys. I was telling you to join the Patreon because it's really good. Um... And then I had a couple. Oh, yeah, yeah, the cameo. The cameo. Wired up. The cameo was. <laughs> uh, the cameo was for a Funeral. Uh, the Funeral Director of the Year. He was named uh, Funeral Director of the Year by, like, the American Funeral Directors Magazine. I'm not kidding. And I, it was so fun. It was so fun to do Trump complimenting and then saying, you know, excuse me, had I been, you know, I don't do funerals. We don't know. Yeah, but if we, believe me, if we had Trump funeral parlor, he would be. So at a at a business so fast your head would spin, unbelievable. But uh, it was fun. That was fun, and uh, cameos are always really nice to do. Um, I do enjoy that. That's been a silver lining of this whole experience. And then I have a video up: Trump reviewing um, Dinesh D'Souza's new movie, Two Thousand Mules. And it's very funny how easily it is to goad. Sometimes it's easy to goad the algorithm. Like if you don't care about people who hate you seeing your video. It's actually like when I wrote Trump reacts to 2000 mules by Dinesh D'Souza. It's got like 30,000 views in, in, in the first four or five days because all these MAGA morons and animals are, are looking into it. 
And they're like, this is fucking, your fucking impression sucks, dude. Do you even know your research? And then there was one guy who I've got to respect. Somebody said, this is, you don't quit your J job. You know, a good one, good one, very original. But a guy was like, don't quit your J job. And some guy wrote, this is, this is the unicorn to me, is the, the quality comedy fan who has awful political views. I don't mean like likes comedy. I mean the guy who's able to put his, you know, he writes, this is actually really good parody, but I'm guessing he hasn't seen the movie and doesn't know all the, the important stuff that's in it. And I was like, wow, that is a rarity. The guy who loves Dinesh D'Souza pro-Trump propaganda, but can put that emotionally aside to acknowledge that the comedy is very good. That's a very... That's a rare being. And I, 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 as a comedian, I, I have tremendous respect for that because usually the sort of psychotic, self-loathing, worthless piece of shit that enjoys Dinesh D'Souza content is not going to be able to go, yeah, but let's, be, let's just put that aside, guys. This guy is a talented comedian. <laughs> usually they're so emotionally wrapped up. If they're at that level, if they're to the level of being... Dinesh D'Souza stands, they're not going to be able to go, but the comedy is good. I'll give the devil his due. Talented guy right there. But this guy did it. And I have a, I respect that in a weird podcasty way. So that was pleasant, but a lot of hate, a lot, just like when my Chappelle videos go up. Um, like Jamie Foxx, I was talking about, I tweeted about this, but Jamie Foxx has a, has a Chappelle impression that people were sharing. Like, it's scary how good he's like, hey, man. He's doing the like Chappelle show 2003 Chappelle. Come on, man. Like that kind of. And it's, it's good. It is good. But I don't, I genuinely don't understand. I don't. Okay. We're going to go through a couple of things this week. My mom actually wrote to me. She was like, can you just take the New Jersey bar exam and start um, engaging in politics in Jersey and get rid of comedy? Who are you performing for? Who are these people that follow you that are so dumb? We'll get to that in a second. We're doing a Pulp Fiction story here. That's part three. Now back to part one, and we'll conclude with part two. But part one is the, uh, the, all the YouTube comments and the Jamie Foxx impression. But I don't – whether people think my impression of Chappelle is good, great, or awful, the people who think it's awful – and this is, this is what has been such a dilemma for a lot of my career. When you're smarter and more observant than your audience, that can sometimes backfire. I – could do a C plus Dave Chappelle Chappelle show, you know that's that's the one that, the one that people will do often. Da- Jamie Foxx, I'm not suggesting his is a C plus. His, his is much better, but it is that very familiar Dave Chappelle from Chappelle show from younger. Well, Dave Chappelle has become a thought leader for angry heterosexual males. And that somber tone, along with 400 packs of cigarettes a day for the last two decades, has, tur- has turned his voice from this to the, uh, you know, so it's, hey, man. Dave, he always had that, hello, Dave, that's his white voice. But then it was like, welcome to Chappelle Show. Well, a little nasally, a little high, a little high. And it's, welcome to Dave, this is Dave Chappelle, saying, come Dave Chappelle Show, Dave. I'm Dave Chappelle, I'm Dave, I'm Rick, I'm Rick Dave. You know, it's in that, and then. All of a sudden, he started doing serious comedy, my favorite genre. Thank you, Hannah Gadsby, for bringing that to the world. And uh, he started, so I'm looking at the cops. And they say to me, hey, Dave, you don't know what you're talking about. It's very deep. It's very nasally. And it's also very cigarette-coated. Okay? Now, if you don't think that's perfect, I get it. But it is evoking a very clear Dave Chappelle. And when people are like, this sounds nothing, I, I, I actually wonder. So you're watching the current Dave Chappelle. But are you still hearing old Dave Chappelle? Because if you don't think it's perfect, I can accept that. Of course, you have to. And, and people hear things differently. I don't think it's my best impression. But I think it evokes and, and parrots a lot of what's going on with his voice and cadence today. But I would never suggest, like, here's Dave Chappelle in 2003. No, that would be terrible. But it's a very decent approximation at worst of current Dave Chappelle. But you start to just go, okay, so people don't, like, 
you know, it's the same argument I had with the guy when I did Malcolm Gladwell and my hair had grown out last year. And I said, oh, my hair needs about another month till I can do that Malcolm Gladwell impression video. And I did. If you look up Malcolm Gladwell's breakfast podcast on my YouTube, you can find it. But a guy said to me, this is one of the many fans I had to insult and block. He said, more like another year. And I wrote, now I'm still being, you know, respectful. I said, well, no, that he used to have a huge afro. Now it's much more tamped down. This guy obviously took, and that's what I said. I didn't say, hey, fuck face, you dumb fuck. I said it like that, thinking I'm like, oh, I'm explaining my work, and hopefully that's the end of it. Like you'll see that, like, okay, I, I've, I know more than, like I'm, I'm, I'm more aware of what I'm doing than you are. And, he, and then his response was, well, nobody knows that. So what's the point of an impression if nobody knows what you're doing? And I'm like, you don't know what I'm doing, you rude fuck. Don't project your fucking ignorance and stupidity on me. Step your game up. That's really my, my, my message to my fans in general. Tr- I may not be smarter than you. I may not know more than you. But odds are, when it comes to the shit I'm doing, I do. Just because I don't want to go out there and humiliate myself, embarrass myself, or make a fool of myself. Like, I'm going to be well-versed and steeped in what I'm doing. And this guy was, like, very effective. And it was just weird. It was like, so, so you want me to do what you know, but you don't know, and you don't, you don't know what Malcolm Gladwell has looked like for the last three years. So I just have to do whatever you thought he looked like in 2009 because that's, your, that's where you stopped paying attention. But there's a lot of that. There's, and with Dave Chappelle's voice, I think it's the same thing where it's like D- Jamie Foxx is so good. I'm like it is a good impression of old – the sim- similar to like if you – excuse me. Well, if you're doing a – so we're doing a Donald Trump. And a Donald Trump from the 1980s, if you see him in interviews, this isn't probably even very good, but it's – hello, Barbara – you know, we're doing very good things. It's a, it's a smoother voice. It's more calm. I don't even think that's not a great young Donald Trump. But he, but he said, excuse me, he didn't, you know what? He didn't sound like this. He didn't, we're talking, excuse me. We're talk, he didn't sound anything like that. So if I, if I reverse those, you'd be like either this is a terrible impression of today's Trump or a terrible impression of old Trump. But voice has changed. And Chappelle's voice has changed a lot. A lot. A lot, man. Uh, see, I just gave you both. So. Once again, um, dealing with fans who that's, – that's been a, a real frustration for me for a long time. I think I shared the Ben Roethlisberger story from Hoboken, which still haunts me to this day when a woman was like, no, keep doing your NFL jokes. And I was like, well, he, he was on the cover of the papers today for sexual assault. So I don't know that it's like – I'm not bringing up like some weird sports story of football. How many how many slam dunks did they score in the Super Bowl? I don't know. Tee hee hee. It was like front page news. and But she didn't know it. So she projected her like, you're weird and talking about obscure stuff because it's obscure to me. And I don't even know enough. This is This is the problem. This is, as, as, as Chris Rock said in, in Bring the Pain, N-words love not to know. <laughs> and that's what I feel like society has become. It's become like a, if you don't know something, you don't even know if it's something you should know. Like, in other words, an easy example is if somebody quotes Shakespeare, and you haven't read that Shakespeare play, but you'll be like, well, Shakespeare, I do know Shakespeare is a big fucking deal, so I'm not going to be like... What's that? I'll just be like quiet and be like, well, maybe I should know a little more Shakespeare. But, or that guy's smart because he knows Shakespeare. Whatever your thought process. But your instinct shouldn't be, Shakespeare, what's that? <laughs> okay, nerd. Like you should know not to do that. But I feel like we're in an era now that is so myopic, so specialized. Like I see so many comedy specials where I'm like, oh, God, this is just like I'm targeting this to 28-year-old males with C-minus averages at community college. That's going to comprise my fan base of 111,000 men and their dumb girlfriends. And they're going to follow me on TikTok, Instagram, and buy tickets to see me deliver marginally competent, barely intelligent stand-up. And it will make me millions. It feels like we're so specialized now in terms of like hit your demo. What, just, just regurgitate and give. And that's, this does not just include political comedy. It, I think it includes more and more comedy in general about hitting like a niche 
um, whether that niche is stupid or Asian or the, it, it's like everybody now has like a it's it's almost like political uh, dem, dem, demog, demographic targeting, except with mediocre jokes. But now people just don't don't even know that they might like they don't even know that that's something people know. You know what I mean? Like so. Now people just assume like whatever I know is the general knowledge. So if this comedian or someone is stepping outside of my general knowledge, then he's stepping outside of general knowledge. And of course, that's not true, especially if you're a dumb fuck. In fact, your general knowledge might be far too limited to even represent general knowledge, let alone what this God-level comedian is sharing with you for free on YouTube, you fucking jerk-off. Anyhow... Uh, I'm getting in the mode. I'm getting in the zone. Five days till half blackface part two. We are we are trying not to go insane before then. And we're going to harness that energy. We're going to take that insanity, that anger, that rage, and that talent, and focus it like a laser beam, and deliver hopefully the greatest performance of my life since the last time I tried to record a special. Um, but. I was going to give you one more story. Oh, yeah. And then we, bring, we come back to part two. The thing that made my mom say I should quit comedy and do politics. Because I'm sure politics is not nearly as frustrating and debilitating as stand-up comedy. I'm sure it's much more rewarding life. <laughs> but um, I posted a joke yesterday on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there, especially the hot ones. Um, divorced hot moms, happy Mother's Day especially to you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I posted happy Mother's Day to all the moms, or as I call them, persons of motherhood. Now, that's a joke on me just taking people of color and calling myself a person of height and things like that. It's basically a preposition joke. I just thought, well, that one's safe. That's a safe one. That's not... That, if ever there was a joke that was not courting controversy, that's the one. And somebody wrote back to me, um, what was this person's name? Hollard or something? Or ho, ho, what the f uh, I don't know. It was, so, it was a weird, weird, you know, my, my, parents, my parents are artisanal bread from Brooklyn kind of name. Uh, he wrote, I was following you until this. And I just, I just replied, oh, no, dot, dot, dot. Because in my mind, there was no way to justify that, a critique of that joke. Like there was nothing he was going to say that was going to make me go, you know what? I see what you're saying and I stand by the joke. But I, I was just like, nope, nope. Somebody's reading something so deep into this joke that I don't even give a shit. Don't care. Oh, no. And, and they wrote, on the day, I know I'm not important, but on the day that Alabama's like – gender anti-gender affirming legislation goes into effect you're doing a worse version of a don jr joke that he posted today not it's a look fyi and i wrote back uh this was a joke about prepositions um I don't. I did not know what was going on in alabama i don't follow don jr which, if you follow me, it would seem weird that you would... Like, if you follow me, it's most likely because of impressions, jokes, or some somewhat, some left-leaning content. So the idea that you think that you ascribe... And by the way, he's not even questioning it. He's assuming the most nefarious intent to this joke. Like, there's many ways you could interpret the joke. He's assuming that I am proclaiming my solidarity with the anti-trans agenda of Don Jr. From what? From the following. Happy Mother's Day out there to the moms, or as I call them, persons of motherhood. And from that, uh, Hallelujah, or whatever name this person had, interpreted that as solidarity with Don Jr. in an anti-trans agenda. And uh, to me, that was, uh, I said, that's like saying Henny Youngman was into human trafficking because he said, take my wife, please. Um, it's a very, 
weird world out there. And it's just one follower, of course. But but it's just one of those things where you go, this this is, you know, I wanted, I want my career to be an estab- at an established enough place that I don't need to read and engage with stuff like this. Um, and I don't have to, but, you know, I'm a nobody still, sadly. I know to some people I'm t- slightly internet famous. To other people I'm just a really good comedian they like. And to the vast majority of the world, they've either forgotten who I am or never knew who I was. And that's fine. But so that means like this idea of engaging and doing all this despite the fact that the Twitter algorithm, you know, I posted a tweet today and after three minutes it had been seen by zero people. And I'm like, yet you're going to tell me my account is not being suppressed? Anywho. Um, But it was just like, this is so bizarre. Like, it's it's just, I'm not one of, oh, I can't do comedy anymore. I can do comedy. It's just annoying. Like, you're either delivering, like, platitude left-wing garbage for claps, or you're being, like, an offensive, unfunny troll to prove your First Amendment warrior status to, like, angry dudes on the right who are just gaming the system for money and algorithms and tweets. But, God, it's like this, and that's why I really... I hope to capture the same magic in this second taping because it's really, to me, about a special that people know where I stand politically, but it's, it's, you're the, if you don't like this special, what it really means is that you're, whichever side you're on, putting politics and personal belief above good comedy because I don't take a lot of direct shots at any group. But it is one of those kind of, yeah, some people won't like where my political leanings are. Other people may think I'm not being sensitive enough on certain issues. But it's, it's without being a look, I'm a, like without being like that simpleton Elon Musk motto of like, if I'm offending both sides, that means I'm right. No, you could just be offensive and stupid or an asshole. You could, you can offend both sides and be wrong. That's the whole thing. I like, like that default setting of as long as the left and right are mad at me, that means I'm actually right, bro. No, it might just mean you're wrong and more people see it than normal. But this is more of a, a, Good comedy fans of all stripes will enjoy this special for sure and see it for what it's worth. But assholes of all stripes may turn it off or be like, I don't like this. Or this guy's like, he's woke. Like I'll make one joke about Joe Rogan and be like, oh, turn it off. This guy's woke. And I'm like, oh, okay. So a joke about a famous guy is like too woke for you. But but you're the free speech, like, I love comedy, I'm about laughs, not about sensitivity and feelings. Okay. And the other side will be like, oh, I really like his stuff. Oh, what did he say? What did he say about Marilyn Manson? No thanks. Not funny. Not the time. Delete. Unfollow. So, you know, bad comedy fans of all stripes will find a reason to not like it. But great comedy fans of all persuasions, um, sensitivities, and political affiliations, I think, will find this to be uh, an outstanding, superb, once-in-a-lifetime comedy special. Um, So that's five days away. Plenty of seats open, which is always something I love to say. Uh, You know, just trickling in, dick trickling in uh, the ticket sales, but uh, hopefully some more people get on that. And like I said, if you can't, give the Patreon a try because there's there's a lot of good stuff there and there's going to be more and more good stuff. Episode 2 of Mike Pence Gaming is next week. Live, we're figuring out. I put up a poll to figure out when people want to do the first live hangout chat with me um, for the for the the high level Patreon people. High level, seven bucks, folks. Come on. Um, and I think that's it. I think that is it. Uh, I th- and I promised. I said I wouldn't get too negative. Oh, and I'm I'm working on a blog based on um, what I talked about. On I'm on. If you're listening to this, uh, I was on Monday's episode of Pete Dominic's podcast, Stand Up with Pete. It was, a, I think, a very good conversation about um, various issues in the news. And also, um, I'm, what I'm going to, based on that conversation, I think I'm going to write something, a political blog. Okay. But it's going to be about um, 
how to stop Mitch McConnell. The the only way I see to stop Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy for for creating a glide path for Donald Trump in 2024. Um, so that'll be a good but. But you can hear a preview of it if you just listen to Pete Dominic's podcast. I was on the Black Guy Who Tips last week, which was a really fun episode. So these are and those are the two I always mention because those two have been so so important. Um, some of you, many of you listening, have pro- probably discovered me through via them. One of those two, but they've been very important uh, in in sustaining my career and, and and growing my fan base through their great fan bases. So thank you for that, and you should you should support their shows as well. Um, so oh, oh, and speaking of shows, I guess I can leave you. I, I almost forgot. I haven't done like any kind of reviews. Um, I got I have tickets to four plays. I in the last year. Read the Tony nominations today. I bought tickets to exactly six shows, folks. The Layman Trilogy, which features a uh, friend of the show, friend in real life, Chris Lamberth. Um, amazing show. Amazing. Um, I had had tickets pre-pandemic to it. And uh, then those tickets uh, were not use- usable. And then I bought more expensive tickets after the pandemic. But thankfully, my uh, economic situation during the pandemic improved slightly. Not afraid of being humble about the stacks that I have in savings accounts. Um, Then uh, that's, by the way, if you're a new listener, that is Ron Reagan Jr., my sometimes co-host of the podcast, most famous for roasting his parents on Showtime's four-part documentary series, The Reagans, which I recommend to everybody, and also for his atheism commercials, which he has noticeably toned down since I started impersonating him on this podcast. Don't tell me he doesn't listen. He listens. But he used to be a very super smug atheist in the commercials. Ron Reagan, not afraid of burning in hell. But now he's more like an elder statesman of atheism. So he's like, Ron Reagan, not afraid of burning in hell. It's much more toned down. He's a more respectful atheist. His his youthful, reckless atheism days are behind him. And now he's a he's going for... He's, he's not trying to be as bombastic like a Christopher Hitchens or a Richard Dawkins. He wants to be, he wants to be the atheist next door. He wants to be your, your, your friendly neighborhood atheist. Not afraid of toning it down to get more people not going to church. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, what the fuck was I talking about again? Atheism, Ron Reagan, Showtime. Brain fart number two. Interesting, as Trump would say. I say interesting, but Trump says interesting and industry. Um, what were we talking about? You guys, this must be a fun game for you, like to see if you know what I'm talking about, probably. But like to see, you're probably going, jail, just you were just fucking talking about blah blah blah. Why are you such a fucking idiot? Supporting Pete and Rod. Uh, I know I was saying that, and Karen, Black Guy Tips, and Stand Up with Pete. Um, the blog that I'm writing. I don't know. It must have not been very important for me to get derailed like that. Reviews. I knew I'd get there. Look at that. Look at this healthy diet. Those walnuts and dark chocolate. They're just, they're just delayed. I'm on a little delay. It's like a time release health benefit. Um, two shows. Oh, I was talking about plays. Yes, I'm all the way back. Uh, okay, so I go see the Layman trilogy. Um, and then, uh, I didn't see much. Uh, but I know you, and that may be all I need to know. Aaron Neville, everybody. Thank you for stepping in for Ron Reagan Jr. there, Aaron Neville. It's actually I don't know much, but I know I love you. But, you know, I was playing. Anyway, um, so the Layman Trilogy, and then I bought my mom tickets. I'm going to see it with her next week to Mr. Saturday Night because we both enjoyed that movie. And I am a Billy Crystal fan, and I even have a defense of Billy Crystal uh, that will you know, is a must-see uh, during the special Half Blackface. Um, but I've always been a Billy Crystal fan. I always enjoyed him hosting the Oscars, maybe a little schlocky for others, but I've always just found him to be a very funny I, I just always liked Billy Crystal, and my family has liked Billy Crystal, and uh, so it's it's a musical from you know based on the movie that came out in the early '90s that he was in, and um, so we're, we're we're seeing that. I got tickets to that, and then I bought four sets of tickets in the last uh, uh, couple of weeks before today. The Minutes by Tracy Letts, Hangman by Dennis, I believe it's Dennis McDonough. Um, a Strange Loop by Michael R. Jackson and 
How I Learned to Drive. I uh, can't remember the playwright, but it stars David Morse and uh, Mary Louise Parker. All four got tremendous reviews, varying levels of tremendous reviews, but I bought those uh, all those tickets, and then today the Tony Awards came out. And all six shows that I have bought tickets to in the last year, all six, six for six, are nominated for the top eligible award. Strange Loop and... Uh, Mr. Saturday Night, nominated for Best Musical. Strange Loop, I believe, is the clear frontrunner because the reviews have been incredible. And I was even laughing when reading a review of it, describing some of the plot. So I really hope, I hope I enjoy that as much as the critics are sort of gearing me up to enjoy it. But it sounds awesome. Um, Mr. Saturday Night, I'm sure I will enjoy. Uh, Hangman and, uh, is nominated for Best, either Best Drama or Best, Revi- Best Drama. Uh, the Layman Trilogy, which I have to imagine is the front runner, is nominated for Best Drama. Um, How I Learned to Drive is nominated for Best Revival. And uh, did I name all of them? Two musicals. One revival. The Minutes is nominated for Best Drama. So all six got nominated in the top eligible category. So the JL Jinx doesn't extend to Broadway. Apparently I have a golden touch when it comes to Broadway shows. Um, so hopefully the jail jinx is just waiting instead of affect Broadway shows. It's going to affect a tiny off-Broadway show on Saturday. Half blackface. I, I expect – at this point, I'm expecting a great white Rhode Island fire to start. Like, like right at the – right before I go into my closing bit, it's going to be like an electrical spark. And it's going to be like, uh, uh, 69 patrons died. Uh, but one comedian survived just so he could endure the torture and pain of knowing that his special and everyone he knew perished during the taping of his special, which was half blackface, which we'll never see. But from the title, we are judging that it was offensive and he is now canceled both for negligent homicide and offensive comedy. J.L. Covan definitely going to be burning in hell. So. That's what I anticipate. No, I don't anticipate that. But um, I hope not. I hope there's no double jinx. I already got jinxed once on that special. So let's hope this one goes cleanly. Um, So that's my Broadway plays. But the two shows that I just finished, uh, Winning Time on HBO, The Rise of the Showtime Lakers, uh, loved it. I know it's gotten some controversial takes from Lakers personnel and legends. I loved it. It was like, can't wait to watch TV. It was really good. Um, I mean, I'm a hoops fan, but it was like, I, I just, it was just, ah, uh, it was really good. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then, uh, the other show I finished, uh, we finally got through the second season. We watched both seasons of the great on Hulu. First season was hysterical. Second season gets a little more serious, a little more sexual and a little less funny. So it, it felt like 90% comedy first season. The second season felt more like 55% comedy, uh, but a very good show. Uh, very witty. Um, it's it's a, I'm glad I watched it. Like I'd heard some good things from a few people, but it wasn't like one of these runaway humongous. You've got to watch this. But I'm definitely glad I watched it. So that's on Hulu. The Great on Hulu. Um, winning Time on HBO Max. HBO. Um, so now I've got to start a new show, and I think. The two I've got to start, I have to start Gamora. I'm still not starting Gamora for crying out loud. But I think the two I've got to do right now are Severance, because that's kind of the talk of the town, and Queen's Gambit, which has been in my kwewe, my kwewe, my kyuyu, my list for uh, two years now. <laughs> so those, those should be coming up. And uh, yeah, uh, for, for more great exclusive stuff, please check out the Patreon. Join today. Do it for one month. I think you'll enjoy what you get. If you like my videos, if you like this podcast, um, and you, or you like me, I think it's a it's a no brainer. Um, obviously, I hope you buy tickets to uh, to see me in New York, Pennsylvania, and Boston. And then there's going to be a lot of soul searching, and we're going to see where this career goes. Um, if it goes, if it stops, if I do a farewell tour, if I just can leave my day job. I don't know. A lot of possibilities, a lot of possibilities for failure. Um, A few possibilities for success also, though. See, guys? Positivity. Positive. Uh, Happy. Yay. And also, this Wednesday, I hope, if you are not a Patreon person, or or if you are, 
that when I share, when I set the Joel Osteen Exorcist video live on Wednesday, like late morning, I hope you'll check for it um, either on YouTube or on Twitter or on Facebook and share it. And don't even, truth be told, I don't even want people retweeting it because my, my account is so fucking toxic. I'd rather people just share it on the, I'll retweet you sharing it, but don't even like read. I mean, you, yes, you can retweet my tweet for sure. But also if you just independently share it and I retweet it or your friends will just see it that way, that might be better at this point because it seems like when I get tagged in posts or if I retweet something, it like, you know, Twitter doesn't want my Twitter account to be seen by as many people anymore because I think they think I'm right wing propaganda, which is so rich and ironic. And we all know why. <laughs> it's like, yes, I made comedy videos about Trump and therefore I am January 6th insurrection number one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so look for that if you, if you remember to uh, and share that with friends or on social media. That would be appreciated because I'd like, a, I'd like a big Wednesday boost when the video goes live because eventually that's how you get – that's how ad money kind of gets boosted and stuff. If it just trickles over the years, months and years to views, that, that's good too. But it's like that initial fast algorithm boost. Uh, that can that can get it money and get it seen by more and I think it's really funny and then the feedback from Patreon has been very positive on uh, the Joel Osteen Exorcist reboot um, so uh, yeah look forward to that if you are on Patreon there's more content coming as well so yep just trying to keep the fans happy and hopefully the fans can keep me happy by buying goddamn tickets to my shows or joining the Patreon but if you can if money's tight or if you're just uh, not interested uh, thank you for listening to this show See, we're going to end on a positive note. So thank you, guys. Next week, here's what I'll tell you. If you get an episode on Sunday in the main feed, that's a good sign. But if you don't get an episode in the main feed and there's a Patreon episode next Sunday, that might be a bad sign that I'm trying to keep vulgar and depressing rants to myself. So it's a fun game we're going to play this week, which is where will JL's next Righteous Prick podcast be? A cry for help on Patreon or a rejoice, a resounding and rejoiceful cry to the heavens on the main feed? So half blackface, wish me luck. God help us all. And I will see you next Tuesday.